0: Welcome to the second installment of our podcast, Married with Books. I'm Blake. And I'm Shelby. This month, we will be discussing the young adult novel, What If It's Us, by Adam Silvera and Becky Albertelli.
1: Just like last
0: month, this episode will be full of spoilers, so if you've not yet
1: read What If It's Us and don't want to be spoiled, you have been warned. But first, before we begin, we want to talk about what books we're reading. Blake, what are you reading?
0: Uh, I actually just finished the first book in the Great Library series by Rachel Kane. Uh, it's called ink and Bone., uh, it centers around this world where the Library of Alexander is not destroyed, but instead, uh, they decide that they should control all the information that goes out there. So they create little libraries all over the world, and it they also create this technology where they can they have all the original books, and essentially they've created these um, like tablets where they can transfer the book information to. Uh, it's this really cool, kind of alternate history uh, fantasy book that is really interesting.
1: That sounds pretty awesome.
0: What are you reading, Shelby?
1: Um, I just finished reading Obsidio by Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff, which is the last book in the Illumina series. Obviously, I don't want to say too much what it's about because it's the third one in the series, but I'll just say I loved it. I loved this whole series. Um, it's an incredible, like, sci-fi space adventure, uh, lots of plot twists, lots of mishaps, but I just really enjoyed it. I'm really sad that it's done.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I spent the weekend reading the second book in the series, Gemini, and now I'm on Obsidio. Um, the best way I can describe the series is book one is, like, uh, 2001 Space Odyssey, book two is, like, Aliens. And book three, I don't know yet because I haven't gotten that far. But they are these great science fiction books.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad I took the time to pick them up. I was hesitant for a while because they were a little bit too buzzy. But um, I personally think they're worth the hype and the 600 plus pages of books. Alright, well, let's get into our discussion. Last Chance, if you haven't read What If It's Us and you don't want to be spoiled by it. Um, Since I picked Dread Nation last month, this month it was Blake's turn to pick. Uh, Blake, do you want to
0: start off with a quick summary of what What If It's Us is about? Yeah, so What If It's Us takes place in New York City and follows two high school age boys, Ben and Arthur. Uh, They first meet at the post office, where Ben is attempting to uh, mail a bunch of stuff to his ex-boyfriend after they've broken up, and Arthur sees him while on a coffee run and follows him into the post office, and it turns into this whirlwind summer romance with a lot of ups and downs, a lot of downs, and eventually (laughs) amicably, they eventually part ways, um, as friends at the end of Arthur's internship because he is from Georgia, and I thought it was decent.
1: Uh, what made you pick this book for February?
0: Well, you know, February is Valentine's Day, and I wanted a to do a romance book, um, I wanted to kind of step out of my lane of science fiction and fantasy. Um, and I had read last year, Simon vs. the Hobo Agenda by Becky Albertalli, and I loved that book. Um, so when I saw that she had this new book coming out with Adam Silvera, and I had read his They Both Die at the End, which I thought was decent, I wasn't a huge fan of how it ends, um, but I, I thought this would be the perfect, like, February read. Awesome. What did you think of it, Shelby?
1: Okay, so I want to start off and say that I didn't hate this book, even though, like, everything that I'm going to say now maybe makes it seem like I did. Um, I had really high expectations for this book. As I mentioned last month, I absolutely loved Simon vs. the Homo Sapiens Agenda and The Upside of Unrequited. Um, and then I did read Leah on the Offbeat by Becky Albertalli as well, and I wasn't quite as impressed. But I was still excited because, I don't know, I just I thought it was going to be great. And it wasn't great. I really didn't think that the characters meshed well together. I didn't feel the chemistry between them. And there was just so many things that happened in their relationship. Like a big theme in the book is that they do like repeated first dates because they want to have like the perfect first date and it never ends up being quite perfect. Um, But it gets to a certain point where I'm like, I wouldn't go through that many bad dates. You know, there just didn't I don't know they just didn't really seem to get each other and whatever each person was trying to do it somehow upset the other one and i thought that the relationship was really one-sided um i thought that it seemed like arthur cared way more about ben than ben arthur um and then i don't really feel like there's a lot of great character development either we get to know a fair amount about the characters they all just kind of have, like, these cliche things that they're known for, like, Ben's friend Dylan is known for falling, like, super in love with these girls and, like, going too fast, and then all of a sudden he just, like, drops them, and I didn't really like that. I thought that there could have been a lot more development in those relationships, and then Arthur has, like, a couple friends in Georgia, um, and I don't know, we don't really get to hear anything about them other than the fact that he's, like, kind of mad at them, but we don't ever get, like, a history on that relationship. And that just kind of bothered me. I just thought, for a 400-page book, it could have been a lot better.
0: Yeah, why don't we unpack that in sections? So, let's start with the two main characters, Arthur and Ben. Out of the two of them, Arthur, the one from Georgia, yeah. is the more likable of the two. For
1: sure.
0: Um, and I honestly, I mean, the whole romance between him and Ben is kind of based off Arthur having like, kind of wanting this fantastical summer romance in New York. Right. Like, in the movies or, like, in the musicals. Yeah. Um, and, like, he... Not to say that Ben doesn't really put in an effort, because no, he does that at a I think certain, we can
1: say that Ben doesn't put in an
0: effort. I think in the beginning you can say Ben doesn't put in an effort. And, like, towards the end he, like... He,
1: too little, too late. That's what I have to say about that.
0: <laughs> I think that's fair. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's just... It does seem like a relationship where one person really cares more about trying to make it work, not that. But also, I would argue that Ben had just broken up from his first, like, serious relationship and maybe wasn't in a place to date.
1: That's fair, but then I feel like, what is even the point of that whole story? You know, like, they even bring that up in the summary, I'm pretty sure, how, like, it's not ideal timing for their relationship. And I 500% agree with that, but they try anyways, and it just kind of felt pointless.
0: Yeah, so I guess in this kind of segues into a different thing, but like, is this, you know, because in a lot of YA romance books, it's this idea about these perfect relationships, you know, no matter what the adversity, you know, adversity that you face, these couples come together, you know, no matter what, you've seen a lot of them, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is kind of a more realistic take, where like, eh, you know, it wasn't really a great time, maybe he shouldn't have been in this relationship, and you know what? it's only for a summer. Like at the end, there was like an end point and like, they both acknowledge like, yeah, once you move back to Georgia, like we should just be friends.
1: I guess I get that. But then like, I guess the whole reason I'm reading like a romance is because I want to feel like those really good feelings. Not to say that nothing bad can ever happen, happen in them. Like I feel like in pretty much every romance or any book involving a relationship, there's a point where things aren't going great for the main characters and I think that's fine, except this kind of felt like the whole thing wasn't going great. Like, what did either one of them get out of that, other than, like, a really good friend? And I guess if you, depending on how you interpret the epilogue, where Arthur's at college, um, and they, they are, like, still talking, potentially a romantic partner again. But, I don't know. It just bothered
0: me. Yeah, I think it it just kind of seems like a book where the, the ending kind of negates the whole point of it. Do you know what I mean? Um, so then let's move on to the next part, the side characters. I agree with you. Like, I thought, first of all, I thought Dylan was way more interesting than Ben. Yeah. Um, just because, like, even...
1: Ben had a personality. Like, other than being, like, grumpy and wanting to talk to his ex-boyfriend sometimes. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, and, like, um, I'm blanking right now on his ex-boyfriend's name Hudson. Hudson but like even he's kind of fleshed out way more than Ben and he's kind of like a tertiary character until the end
1: yeah I feel like a lot of Ben's character development surrounds his relationship with Hudson and his family those are like the two things you get to know a lot about but I don't feel like I know Ben after reading that we're like I know what Arthur likes I don't really get a sense for what Ben likes just like as a person you know And it just kind of, I think maybe that's part of the reason I didn't feel really any chemistry, because I couldn't, I didn't know Ben at all. You know, I don't know really, even though some of it's told from his point of view, I don't, I didn't get a sense for what he was thinking or feeling in a lot of it, other than just, like, the grumpy feelings.
0: Yeah. Um, And, uh, like, your point about Dylan, where, like, he just would date these, like, he would go, like, head first into these relationships, and then... They'd kind of peter out. They'd be really, like, bright and fast and then peter out to And from nothing. what it
1: sounds from Ben, it would just literally be, like, he'd just, like, wake up one day and be, like, not feeling it. And just be like, okay, bye. And I don't know. I just, like, I feel like Dylan could have been a really interesting character. And, like, Jesse and, was it Ethan? Mm-hmm. Is that Arthur's other friend? They could have been really interesting characters, too. But I can, like, recall, like, one fact about each of them. And I just feel like it wasn't like that in Simon. Like we got to know a lot of the background characters and I think that's what made it such a great book is that like I felt like I walked away from that book feeling like I had like a new book friends, you know, and I did not get that feeling at all from this.
0: That is true. I one thing I do find really interesting, at least in this book, was the um there was a part where, um, Arthur and his friend Ian, I think, from Georgia, where they Arthur is kind of under the belief that, like... So Arthur had come out to his friends, like, a little bit before they left, I believe. But
1: he, I think, like, at prom, right... And then he left for the summer.
0: Yeah. And his friend Ian stopped texting him. And I, one thing I did find interesting was his thoughts... His feelings on how, like, he felt like his one of his best friends, like... He thought had a problem with him being gay. And, like, what you find out is that Ian and... Jesse Jesse, um, were dating and, like, he wanted to tell Arthur all about how him and Jesse are dating, but, like, he was too nervous to, so there's kind of this miscommunication. And I could see something like that happening with people. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: I can see it happening, but I just feel like there needs to be more to the story than that. You know, like, if you had really developed out those characters and then come to, like, a really firm resolution at the end... But I just feel like there was, like, too much. I think you did a good job of saying there was, like, a lot of downs. There was too much downsides to things and not enough of, like, the upsides to really get me, like, leaving, to really, like, leave me feeling with a satisfying conclusion and, like, oh, now I get why so-and-so was acting that way. Um, And I also, uh, I was reading a review, and they were saying, it was just, like, a review on Goodreads, I can't remember the. Uh, whoever wrote it right now, but they were talking about how like in a lot of romance books, like in Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda, there's a plot, and then the romance is like part of the plot. But I felt like, but and they agreed with this that in What If It's Us, the romance was the plot. Like there was kind of no like end game, you know, which made it really complicated. It was just like kind of a story about their summer together, with no
0: point. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree, and it especially with the way it ends where they decide that they're going to break up when Arthur heads back to Georgia. It does make it seem, I don't want to use the word pointless, but it just seems kind of like a, okay, I read 300 pages for you guys not to end up together. Um, why don't we talk about the epilogue where they do kind of flash a couple of years into the future. I think just one year, one year where Arthur and Ben are in college and like how they still all text each other and, There's kind of a whiff that there might be a little romance there, but also, like, they acknowledge, like, the best decision they made between the two of them was to become best friends when that summer ended. Right?
1: Yeah. I don't know. It just, like, there just wasn't enough there for me. Like, what did they really do over the course of the summer? Another thing that really bothered me, this is just a random aside, but... Arthur really wanted to see Hamilton, and he did not get to, and I don't know if I'm ever going to recover from that.
0: (laughs) Well, and not only that, but it's kind of Ben's fault that he didn't get to see it, because they had tickets. I know. Um, And then
1: I totally thought that was going to, like, come back around later. So for those of you who didn't read the book, um, Arthur is a huge Hamilton aficionado, but he has never actually been able to, like, see the Broadway show. So he keeps trying to, like, get tickets to go and, like, entering in, like, the lotteries and stuff to get tickets for the show while he's in New York for the summer. And um, he just, it's like a huge theme in the book. They talk about it all the time. And Ben enters, like, this lottery. I think it was for, like, New York City students only, which is why Arthur couldn't enter. But anyways, they he wins the tickets, but he's late to the show. And, like, this is a theme. Like, Ben is always late. And he's late to pick Arthur up, so they're late to the show. And the tickets get given away, and so they don't get to, like, see it. And then, like, Arthur gets super upset, as one might, and and then they just like kind of say like oh it's okay and then Arthur never gets to see the show and it really bothered me.
0: Yeah, there's that. There's the they end up just sitting on the curb outside the stu- or outside the theater and just singing musical songs. Yeah, and
1: Arthur's like oh this was better than seeing Hamilton. <laughs> I was like, I doubt it was. It's Which
0: okay. I guess since you brought it up, uh, you know Hamilton. A, I mean, a character of this book is New York City essentially. Yes.
1: And I did actually really, really enjoy that. I loved Arthur's, like, excitement for New York City. It made me really want to go to New York City. Um, yeah, I, I loved the setting. I thought they did a really good job of incorporating the setting into the story, where I feel like maybe some other books in New York, they're just kind of like, oh, yeah, it took place in New York. But because Arthur is both living there and kind of a tourist, because he's only there for the summer, I thought that was, like, a really interesting perspective, and it made me really want to go there. So.
0: Yeah, no, and I... I love, the, I love the way that Arthur paints the city, and it is interesting to see kind of the contrast of Ben, who's like a person who lives there and is like, oh yeah, all these tourists just yeah. stopping in the middle of the street to take a picture. I'm ignoring that part because
1: I think we've decided that I didn't like Ben, but um, I did really like Arthur and his excitement for the city, and I've never been to New York, but I would love to go, and just hearing about some of the places that I would like to visit someday made me want to go there even more.
0: Yeah, I think there is like this romanticism from people who are not from New York.
1: Oh totally. <laughs> um, totally. I mean how could there not be? It's in every like Hollywood movie ever. I know I said Hollywood movie, which is iconic because that is not <laughs> New York. But um yeah, I think that there's a huge like idealism around New York and I'm sure it's not that ideal for people who live there but I do not live there. I don't live anywhere near New York City, so I would like to go there someday and I'm pretty sure I'd be one of those annoying tourists stopping to take pictures in the middle of the
0: sidewalk. Well, I mean we're planning out our trips for the next five year, babe, so maybe we can Um one more kind of thing to touch on with this book. Um it's a dual point of view book where uh, you switch perspectives from Arthur and Bed, and you see this a lot in a lot of YA contemporaries, Mm. Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, um I'm trying to think of another one. Well,
1: I think a really good example is Will Grayson, Will Grayson, by John Green and David Levithan, which is another, like, gay romance It came out uh, quite a few years ago. Now, I'm not sure the exact publication date. Um, but yeah, and typically, I really like that, because you get to see it from both sides of things, and you kind of get, like, all the excitement, butterfly feelings um, from both sides, and you get to kind of, like see what one person did and what their reasoning behind it was and how they reacted. And I generally really like that. I was not a fan of it in this book because I could not tell the difference between the points of view, but I thought was really weird because I'm assuming they wrote this is that, well, I know for a fact that they did in Will Grayson, Will Grayson is John Green wrote one character and David Levithan wrote the other character. I'm guessing that's what they did in this one too, but I could not tell the difference in between the two Points of view. I, like, often had to, like, refer back to the beginning or, like, wait until I said, or Arthur said, you know, like, something like that, like a cue, but I just couldn't tell the difference in their voices, and that really bothers me.
0: Yeah, um, I've, when I've read those types of books as well, where it's two authors, it normally is, they each take a character. That's the
1: way, that makes most sense. That's the easiest way to give two characters distinct voices.
0: Now, in um, They Both Die at the End by Adam Silvera, he wrote uh, dual perspective where he wrote mm-hmm. both characters and you could tell the difference between the two. Cause one was like very, I mean, it kind of like this book one was very pessimistic. One was kind of optimistic. I do. I am curious to see, cause there are, there are parts where I can tell kind of where Becky Albertelli wrote, okay. like you can see her style in it, but I noticed it was more sprinkled. Like it wasn't like when I read Arthur, I was like, Oh, Becky Albertelli wrote this chapter.
1: I guess I just, I wish it had been like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish that each author had let really let their own, like, narrative voice shine through, um, because, again, even though I definitely liked one character more than the other, the sentence, maybe it was, like, the sentence structure, or just something about it just seemed, like, very repetitive, and I could not tell the difference in between the two characters, and it bothered me quite a bit, because I don't like that feeling of, like, not really knowing where I'm at in the story, and also, because it does have two authors, that's, like the easiest thing in the world to fix you know is i don't i just don't know.
0: so out of five what would you give this
1: i think i'm gonna give it a three like i said i didn't hate it and i really don't want to like discourage anybody else from reading it if you haven't read it and you just listen to us rant about it for 20 minutes and you still want to read it go ahead it's a really sweet ya romance story i liked the diverse inclusion but I just think there's better if this is what you're looking for, there's better examples of it.
0: Yeah, I would probably give it a three out of five as well. Um, I think really my biggest disappointment was I've loved pretty much everything else Becky Evertelli did and I thought Adam Silvera's books were pretty good as well. I thought this was gonna be like a dream team. Right. And it just it doesn't stick the landing.
1: It I had I'm sure part of it is that I had high expectations. But this book should have been better. It could have been better, and it should have been better. I know that both of those authors are capable of doing better than this, and I'm just disappointed that it was. It was a very, very mediocre book. I did not hate it, but I did not like it, and I don't think I'd be recommending it. To you.
0: Yeah, especially with how long it is.
1: Yeah, it, at 400 pages, you gotta do more. Like it was just either edit it more, or I don't know, do something. This was not my favorite. But speaking of favorite fictional relationships it's february valentine's day is coming up um we're gonna talk about our favorite book relationships so blake give me one what's your favorite
0: um so this one is from the harry potter book series uh personally one of my favorite relationships is not really one that you get a ton of info on it kind of just happens in the fifth book or is it the sixth book where you learn that
1: it's in the fifth book
0: Tonks and Lupin get married, and I think that that is a great, from what we see, it looks like a great um, relationship, and like I just think those characters balance each other out so well. What's one of your favorite like relation, fictional relationships, babe?
1: Okay, so since you did a Harry Potter one, I'm going to counter with a Harry Potter one as well, and I'm going to say Mr. and Mrs. Weasley. I think that they are... Probably an idealistic couple, but I just genuinely feel like they complement each other very well. They are clearly very loving and committed to each other, and they're not perfect. They're messy. Their lives are messy. They're strapped for cash, you know, but I just think that's just a really good example. You know, like if we grow old and we're like Mr. and Mrs. Weasley, maybe mine is like the seven kids. I don't think I want that many kids, but I consider that a success. You know, like they're just a solid couple. I really like them, and I aspire to be like them.
0: Yeah, no, I think they're a great um, model of what a relationship should look like.
1: Yeah, no, they're great. Uh, give me another one.
0: Uh, my second one is uh, Percy and Annabeth from the um, Lightning Thief uh, book in the series, I don't know. Percy Jackson? Percy Jackson series. Yeah, I, here's I can, like <laughs> here's a, Well, because there's the Percy Jackson series, and I think there's like the Lost Olympian. Oh, okay. And, like, they all interconnect at some point. But, um, I think that, like, that's one of those relationships where they start out, like, not liking each other, and then they kind of end up together at the end of the first book. And it's not like, it's not like a meme not liking each other. She's, you know, a daughter of Athena. He's a daughter of, uh... He's a daughter. He's a son of Poseidon. And, you know, because they're parents, they don't really get, they're not supposed to be along. Right. But at the end of the book, they're kissing under the lake, so... Sure. I just think it's kind of a fun romance.
1: All right, good, good. Um, I just have one more. Uh, This is very typical of me, but Hazel Grace and Augustus Waters. That ill-fated relationship is still one of my favorites. I think it is like a great example of a teen romance that I enjoyed. (laughs) Um, I think they're really sweet together, and even though their story is very tragic, it made me cry, which I think is a good example of how well
0: that book is written so also just to kind of fill out this episode we're also going to talk about uh what books we're most excited for in 2019 because when we're recording this it's still january um so you know we got 11 months ahead of us so shelby what is a book you're really excited for in
1: 2019 i am really excited for the second book in the arlo finch series Uh, i think it's called arlo finch and the lake of the moon by John August, um, Blake and I discovered this series uh, last year. Mm. I, I think about this time last year um, when we started listening to John August's podcast launch, which was about like his process of writing this book, which is a middle grade fantasy. Um, and it follows a character named Arlo Finch who moves to Colorado. He has kind of a complicated family situation. Um, he's very lonely, and he joins a kind of a group like the Boy Scouts, except there's girls in it too and they can like do magic and it's not super addressed in the first one they can just kind of do like weird things like they can do like i think it's called a thunderclap and they can like make a really loud boom with their hands like louder than you should be able to or they can like create light and stuff like that um and i thought the first one was really well done and i liked it and i'm excited to see where john august takes the story next and it comes out in february i don't know the exact date but i already have it pre-ordered and i'm very excited for it what's the one that you're excited for
0: uh, I am really excited for, I don't know if it's, I believe it's classified as fantasy, but um, Black Leopard, Red Wolf by Marlon James. Um, it's the story of a man known as Tracker, and several of his acquaintance and enemies are hired to find a boy. Um, so he goes on this journey through, uh, I believe it's set in like a futuristic or version of Africa, and it deals a lot with African mythology and there's witches and monsters and sentient buffalo and it just sounds like a really cool um fancy book that I'm really excited for awesome what else are you looking forward to Shelby
1: um I've been anticipating this one for quite a while um I mentioned I think in the last episode that I love the padding <laughs> oh my gosh the podcast reading glasses um and one of the hosts Mallory O'Mara, is coming out with a book it's a nonfiction book about uh Millicent Patrick who is the woman who created the creature, the black lagoon monster. She's a big lady in horror. Um, The book is called lady from the black lagoon and uh, Melissa Patrick kind of got shoved under the rug because she was a woman at a not very good time to be a woman. Um, And Mallory O'Mara has gone through and dug up a bunch of information about her life and what she did. Um, And I'm really excited to read it. I've, heard great reviews so far from people who have gotten advanced reader copies um and that one comes out in march i also have it pre-ordered and i'm very much looking forward to it and if you're an audiobook person i believe mallory does read the audiobook herself which is generally a big plus for me so i might check that out as well what else are you looking forward to
0: well it's a good thing we save those audible credits second pick is every tool's a hammer life is what you make it by adam savage um it's a book about adam savage's life and his work um doing model making and designing things that people imagine or he imagines and making them real um it's talking about you know prop making and building things and just being creative and uh, it's something i'm really interested in and i really love his work um not only on mythbusters but tested.com uh website he has so i'm really excited to read that
1: i used to love mythbusters so i might have to borrow that one from you as well
0: And, Shelby, what's your last most anticipated book of 20?
1: So, since I was just talking about how much I loved Obsidio and the rest of the Illuminae files, um, I wanted to mention that Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff are coming out with a new series. They're writing it together. It's going to be another, like, futuristic sci-fi space adventure. Um, I really don't know what it's about. I don't really want to know. I just want to be surprised, and I am super excited for it. It comes out in May. Um, it's, the whole series is called, I think, The Aurora Cycle. The first book is called Aurora Rising. Um, but I'm super excited for it. I hope, I hope it's everything I want it to be, because I absolutely love The Illuminate Files, and I thought it was great. And this one sounds like it's going to be similar. So I'm hoping that it is. That's the last one.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited, too, because I really enjoy The Illuminate Files. All right, so, it's that time. We're wrapping up the episode, uh, but it's time for us to reveal the March book, And it's Shelby's pick. So, honey, what'd you go with? I
1: picked Five Feet Apart by Rachel Lippincott. I'm sorry if I said that name wrong. I'm pretty sure that's how you say it, though. Um, It seems like the kind of YA romance that I would have loved, like, four or five years ago, right about in my Fault in Our Stars phase. Maybe part two of my Fault in Our Stars phase, because that was a long phase. Um, But if you don't know what it's about, it's... I don't know a ton about it, but it's about two teenagers. I think they have cystic fibrosis. Um, and they're not supposed to get within five or six feet of each other, I think is actually the rule, um, because of, of like, bacteria and stuff like that, and they could make each other very, very sick, um, and, but they fall in love anyways, and this, I think this book is about them trying to, like, be in a relationship, even though they can't get close to each other. I don't really know. I don't want to know a whole lot, but the movie comes out in March, too, which is another reason for me picking this, and also the cover was beautiful which is the main reason for me picking this but I'm excited for it um, I
0: hope it's great yeah so come back we'll uh, drop that episode on March 1st um, that's it for this month you can find us on Instagram at marriedwithbookspod or reach out via email at marriedwithbookspod at com. you can also find um, my Instagram Nerd 42 and Shelby's Instagram uh, Shelby in the Stacks we would love to hear what you thought of the what if it's us episode or anything else we talked about today or maybe you just want to get in touch with us
1: yeah um we'd love to hear your thoughts or suggestions for future books or anything like that um if you liked this episode we would love it if you left a review on itunes it helps us out a bunch and helps us find more people um if you liked us you can go ahead and subscribe make sure you don't miss any future episodes but anyways we will see you all hear you all again on march 1st where we discuss five feet apart by rachel Lippincott. see you later bye